good evening. It is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM, broadcasting from Kingston, Ontario. This program is brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Erica Singh, Zayden Vergara, and Chloe Paris. Today in YGK is also brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and here are your local news headlines. Late last week, QP's Ontario Council of Hospital Unions presented the worrying findings of a new poll among 750 hospital workers in Kingston and across Ontario, revealing the mental tax of the work environment on employees and suggesting the staffing crisis in hospitals will worsen without correction by the Ford government. In the results, it was revealed 43% of staff say they, quote, dread going to work, and 90% express a lack of confidence in the government's plan to improve public health care. To discuss these findings, I sat down with Dave Verge, first vice president of QP's Ontario Council of Hospital Unions. Here's what he had to say. To start us off, would you like to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your organization as well? Yeah, sure. My name is Dave Virch. I'm a uh, I'm the first vice president for QP's Ontario Council of Hospital Unions. I'm also an RPN who's worked in the uh, public healthcare system now for 35 years. A little bit about our organization. We represent 50,000 healthcare workers from across the province, uh, everywhere from RPNs to PSWs to environmental services, food services, porters, clerks, trades. We really are the meat and potatoes of a hospital. Perfect. Thank you very much. I was wondering if you could run us through some of the key results of the poll amongst Kingston's healthcare workers that you announced on Thursday. Sure. So, yeah, we commissioned Nanos to do a poll for us uh, earlier uh, at the end of 2023. And the numbers that came in from Kingston were quite alarming, as long as as well as the numbers throughout the whole province. But actually, Kingston's numbers were slightly higher than our provincial average. Um, some of the highlights or lowlights, as I should say, is 44% of uh, healthcare workers in Kingston are considering or somewhat considering leaving their job within the next year. That's a, a stark number. Mm-hmm. I mean, if four in 10 healthcare workers were to leave, um, it would have a devastating effect on the uh, healthcare for, for especially Kingston residents. Um, some of the other issues where where were quite alarming were 90% uh, of respondents said they are not confident or somewhat not confident that the government will improve healthcare over the next year. You know that that's telling us that healthcare workers are losing hope in our system, and I really think that's what's driving the uh, the potential exodus from our healthcare system. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and um, I believe the survey also it was mentioned that the supplements research that you've done as well, um, warning of a staffing crisis in the hospital sector. I was wondering if you could get into some of the specific impacts this can have or already has had in Kingston. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say our, our healthcare system has been under crisis now for, for several years, and we knew it was bad. I mean, myself, I've been away from the bedside for the last year and a half. And uh, when I was at the bedside, I was experiencing the shortages on a daily basis. We were counting heads to see if we had enough healthcare workers to cover the needs of our patients. This is absolutely true in Kingston. I think it's true everywhere where we're seeing the you know healthcare workers coming into work and they already know that they're going to be short staffed. The workloads are going to jump dramatically. And, you know, there is only so much time in a day. So you're prioritizing, you know, the patient's needs. But inevitably, if you're doubling your person's workload, you know, 
there's really a lot of dissatisfaction from healthcare workers that they're just not able to Mm -hmm. do the job that they've been trained to do. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And do you find, well, this of course was a problem before COVID, during COVID, but in the last year, it seems to have just had this exponential rise. I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that. Yeah, well, during COVID, uh, there was an uh, an increased bump in funding from the government to deal with Mm -hmm. some of those pressures. Unfortunately, that funding has gone away. And actually looking forward, it's estimated that the government of Ontario will only plan to increase its uh, healthcare budget spending by 0.5%. We know healthcare uh, inflation alone is running 5.6%. So in real terms, that's a dollar cut out of our out of our healthcare system. Um, speaking of in Kingston alone, I, I believe there's some restrictions at, at one of the sites or in their emergency department that they only see a certain number of patients a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once they've hit that quota, you know, th- those patients, the the doors are basically shuttered. So we've had over 850 ER closures across the province. You know, with this funding increase from the government of only 0.5%, we can only see that things are going to get worse. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And you've spoken a bit to how this is going to impact hospitals, but I was wondering for workers, how is this feeling reflected in their day to day? Well, I think I think it really comes to the point where where they are losing hope and they don't mm-hmm. see the, the there's going to be positive changes um, and they are, you know, they're making the tough decision to leave. We know turnover rates are currently around 10 percent. Um, these are historically high and they have been historically high since COVID has hit. Um, you know, healthcare workers are leaving. They're not being replaced at, at a rate. And they're, these are experienced healthcare workers. And they're going to be needed there to bring in the new students, to bring in foreign workers who are entering into our healthcare system. We need these people there to mentor um, the new recruits that are coming in. So we really do need the government to step up and have a recruitment and retention um, strategy that will, will, will actually stand the bleeding of these staff. Absolutely. And you're mentioning that feeling of hopelessness, that feeling that people can't rely on the government to improve the situation. I was wondering, um, what are some of the key areas where the current plan is going wrong? So, well, we're actually currently in bargaining with the Ontario Hospital Association, and we are bringing solutions forward. One one of our solutions is uh, a staff to patient ratio. Now, this is something that was just recently introduced by the British Columbia government. We're strongly encouraging the Ontario government to follow its lead. Um, it's a model that's been in existence in California for over two decades. Um, research has shown that you get better patient uh, outcomes, higher patient satisfaction, higher staff satisfaction, because now they have a, a ability to work within their scope, do, do the duties that are needed in that job, and uh, and feel like they're actually accomplishing something. And did you have any other uh, first steps that can be taken to improve the situation? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. Uh, so we are calling upon the government to uh, increase uh, health care spending funding by $1.25 billion per year for the next four years. And that's on top of inflation. That could be used to staff up our hospitals, you know, um, better compensation for healthcare workers, create more capacity within our healthcare system. And you know, it, it, it's it's a large ask. It sounds, you know, $1.25 billion. But I will point out that the government currently has a contingency fund with $5.4 billion in it. This is something that the, that the Ford government could do tomorrow. We just need, uh, you know, people to speak up, the public to speak up, let this government know that healthcare is a priority and that uh, they demand better. Absolutely. And where can people keep up with your organization and support you in the future with these efforts? 
We do have a website. It's uh, ochu.ca. Um, uh, we have a website that's there. Um, we also work, uh, you know, we work closely with uh, with uh, the Ontario Health Coalition, um, with our brother and sister unions at ONA and OPSU and SEIU and Unifor. Um, we are quite a united front and, uh, you know, we're trying to bring these issues to light. So hopefully we can improve a healthcare system that that's really needs to heal. City, Utilities Kingston and Kingston Fire and Rescue share snow and ice safety reminders. Winter is here! The City, Utilities Kingston and Kingston Fire and Rescue urge you to review these winter-related safety tips. Number 1. Be a good neighbour. Show your family, friends and neighbours you care about their comfort and safety. Keep your sidewalk and neighbourhood catch basin clear of snow and ice. Be safe around snowplows. Drivers, stay three car lengths behind a snowplow to allow for a safe stopping distance. Never cut off a snowplow. Pedestrians and caregivers, assume the snowplow driver has not seen you. If you see a snowplow, move off the sidewalk and into a yard where you can be seen. Do not play on or make forts or tunnels in roadside snowbanks. Never approach a snowplow, even when it has stopped. You can go to cityofkingston.ca slash snow to find out about city snow clearing standards and priorities and read their frequently asked questions. Number three, keep gas meters clear. Although your outdoor gas meter is designed to withstand winter weather, heavy or hard packed snow and ice can be a safety hazard. Keep snow and ice from building up on and covering your meter. Concerned Utilities Kingston customers can call the 24-hour line at 613-546-1181 or visit utilitieskingston.com for tips and information. Concerned Enbridge customers can call its emergency line at 1-877-969-0999. Number four, keep outside exhaust vents, such as those for gas-fired furnaces or water heaters cleared of snow or ice. Number five, ensure fire hydrants and fire department connections are visible. We thank residents and building owners who take the time to clear snow and ice from fire hydrants and fire department connections. This assists firefighters in the event of an emergency. Number six, clear snow and ice from fire escapes, exit doors, and other emergency exit points to allow for a safe exit in the event of an emergency. Number seven, place garbage and recycling where it can be clearly seen and safely collected. Please do not place garbage bags in containers, recycling boxes, or green bins on top of snow banks. Choose a collection area at a safe and visible ground level location on the boulevard closest to the curb, or on the right side of the end of your driveway or walkway. Another option is to create a shelf in the snowbank that provides the collector with easy access to your waste containers. Keep a path from the road to your collectibles clear of snow and ice. Safe placement helps avoid injury. Number eight, be aware of winter parking restrictions. The city is currently piloting a weather-based winter parking program. During the months of January and February, no overnight on-street parking is permitted. This bylaw ensures that cars are kept off the streets so that snowplows can effectively respond to weather events. You can be fined and towed for violating the bylaw. Please note that parking in the middle of a cul-de-sac is also prohibited at all times. Number 9. Businesses keep sidewalks clear of hazardous snow and ice. If you front onto public sidewalks, you must remove any snow or ice, including rooftop snow, ice, or icicles hazardous to pedestrians as soon as is practical, but in any event, not later than 12 hours after the end of the precipitation that caused the snow and ice. Those who don't will be charged the cost of clearing and could face a fine of up to $5,000. It is also illegal to move snow onto streets or sidewalks. Number 10, prevent water from freezing around electrical lines. Keep your eaves troughs free of debris so water runs safely away before it freezes. Ice can build up where overhead electric service wires attach to your home, a dangerous and costly situation. 
consider that the root of the problem may be poor attic insulation. Never attempt to clear ice from or around electrical service wires yourself. Concerned Utilities Kingston customers can call the 24-hour line at 613-546-1181 and Concerned Hydro One customers can call 1-800-434-1235, available 24 hours a day. Number 11. Remove icicles hazardous to pedestrians. Every building owner occupant in Kingston must remove the snow and ice, including icicles, from the roof of their building when it poses an immediate danger to pedestrians. Those who do not will be charged the cost of clearing the icicles and could face a fine of up to $5,000. Number 12. During prolonged extreme cold spells, take steps to prevent water lines from freezing. Go to utilitieskingston.com water slash frozen services to see if your pipes are at risk of freezing and the steps that building owners can take to help prevent freezing pipes. The webpage also explains the processes and responsibilities involved if your water service does freeze. And finally, number 13, follow plow progress with their plow tracker. Review road and sidewalk plow progress before you go using the city's plow tracker and better plan your routes. Snow Social set to take over Sydenham in South Frontenac. There will be snow much fun on Saturday, January 20th, when South Frontenac Township's Snow Social takes over the village of Sydenham, just 20 minutes north of Kingston. This free family festival is in its second year and is taking place from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. throughout the village. The festival features a full lineup of musical acts playing at both indoor and outdoor venues, including Vaughn Evans, Andrew Van Horn from the Celtic Kitchen Party, and Chris Murphy and Jess Wedden on the outdoor stage under the Big Tent, as well as Evan Jackson, Whiskey Smoke, and Towns indoors in the historic Sydenham Legion Hall. For kids and young families, there will be horse-drawn wagon rides through the village, snow tubing, face painting, storytelling, and a special comedy magic show at Sydenham Library. Lowborough Public School will be the site of a vendor and craft fair, and the Point Park will feature various food vendors on site. Mayor Vanderwall states, quote, Our recreation and events team have done a great job of choosing activities this year that aren't dependent on the weather and that will appeal to all ages and interests. We have a fantastic musical lineup and many indoor activities for kids, and for families who want to get out and enjoy the winter. There will be lots of outdoor activities like snow tubing, wagon rides, fire pits, games, and more, end quote. New this year are activities organized by the Kingston Forest and Nature School. Events backed by popular demand include a guided bird walk, indigenous teachings around the fire, and the Elements Fitness and Wellness Obstacle Course. Snow Social is made possible by local businesses who sponsor the event, service clubs and agencies that have partnered with the township to provide programming, and volunteers. While the festival is free, donations will be accepted. There is free parking at Sydenham High School and Lowborough Public School and limited parking at the Point Park and Sydenham Library. Families are asked to dress warm and not to park on village streets for safety reasons and to allow room for wagon rides. More activities are being added. To see a full list of events, you can visit southfrontnet.net slash snowsocial. That is all for your headlines this evening and next up is Zayden Vergara with your sports desk. Good evening, everyone, and Happy New Year. My name is Zayden Vergara, and it's time for your CFRC Sports Rundown. It's been a rocky start for your Queen's University Golden Gales in the second half of the winter season. The men's basketball team fell short in their match against the Carlton Ravens last Saturday, 89-83. The match remained closed through all four quarters. However, with the loss, the Gales' record falls to 8-3. Queen's returns to the court next weekend back home at the Athletics and Recreation Center, or the ARC, hosting the McMaster Marauders on Friday night at 8 p.m. and the York Lions Saturday night at 8 p.m. 
The men's team is currently tied for second with the Ontario Tech Ridgebacks in the OUA East Division. The Ottawa GGs are sitting in first with a record of 11-1, with the Gales being the sole team to edge the Ottawa GGs. The Gills trailed the Ravens by 13 points at halftime and would cut the lead to 5 points heading into the 4th quarter. But that was as close as they would get, ultimately falling short to the 1st place Ravens. With the loss, the Gales split their Ottawa road trip weekend and their record moved to 9-2, putting them 3rd in the OUA East Division, behind the 1st place Carlton Ravens and 2nd place Ottawa GGs. Queens returns to the court next weekend, hosting McMaster Marauders Friday night at 6 p.m. in the Arc, as well as the York Lions Saturday night. Queens women's hockey were edged 2-1 by the Brock Badgers Saturday afternoon at the Memorial Center on the Gales Kingston and Community Girls in Hockey Day. The Gales outshot Brock 35-22 in the loss. Despite the result, Queens Women's Hockey Girls Hockey Day was a success with plenty of fans out in full force wearing their jerseys and cheering on the Gales. With the loss, Queen's record fell to 8-9-0, putting them third in the OUA East Division behind UFT and Nipissing. Queen's men's hockey opened the second half of their regular season Friday night in Thunder Bay, Ontario, falling to the host Lakehead Thunderwolves, 3-0. With the loss, the Gales record fell to 11-7-1, putting them sixth in the OUA East Division. Queen's returns to the ice next weekend, hosting the RMC Paladins Saturday night at the Memorial Center. Tune in to CFRC or cfrc.ca for live coverage. You can also go to gogalesgo.com for tickets to all your Gale sporting events. Tickets are free for students and they are a great way to support your Gales. On that note, I've been Zane Vergara and that's all for your CFRC sports coverage. Now over to Erica Singh with your campus news. Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh and here are your campus news headlines. Queen's has reported a significant drop in non-academic misconduct cases, primarily involving male students, according to the annual report from the Non-Academic Misconduct Intake Office, or NAMIO. The study covered the period from May 1, 2022 to April 30, 2023. The report revealed 132 cases, marking a notable decrease. Of those cases, 65% of respondents faced violations, with one student group implicated in hazing. While overall cases declined, athletics and recreation saw a rise from zero to five reports. In residence halls, misconduct cases have halved from 85 in 2021 to 2022 to 47 in the 2022 to 2023 school year with first-year students responsible for 52% of code of conduct violations. Male students constituted 79% of the student code of conduct violations, despite only comprising of 39% of the student body. Students in engineering and business faculties accounted for 19% of students overall, but represented 43% of respondents. The report emphasized common educational outcomes for offenders in harassment and sexual violence cases. For harassment and discrimination policy violations, followed an early resolution pathway, addressing care through an educational lens. Next, in a faculty town hall meeting on December 11th, Provost Matthew Evans warned that the university is expected to deplete its reserve funds by 2025 
with the Faculty of Arts and Science facing potential bankruptcy as early as next year. Despite the heated discussions, transparency concerns led students to storm the stage at the end of the meeting demanding clarity. While faculty and staff layoffs are not planned, they are highly probable, Evans explained. The Faculty of Arts I, facing a deficit increase from 27 to $37 million, didn't approve several contract renewals this year. Layoff affected employees won't receive severance either due to limited university funds. To prevent bankruptcy, cross-faculty subsidization will be implemented, requiring financial support from other faculties. However, concerns were raised about transparency to the use of accumulated surplus and senior administrator salaries. Evans defended the decisions, citing the serious financial situation. Despite leaked documents indicating cuts to small enrollment courses and termination of adjunct professors, Evans ensured the future students would still have access to excellent programs and faculty. The AMS executive team expressed clear unrest about the future of the Faculty of Arts and Science and Queen's University. Evans will address student questions at an upcoming ASSES Assembly and AMS Assembly meeting next week. In similar news, the Faculty of Arts and Science has ceased admissions into the Arts and Science online degrees and certificate programs. The decision was announced on December 18th and comes as a part of a broader budgetary measure to address the financial challenges faced by the university. While on-campus students can continue enrolling in online classes as a part of their degree, the decision does not extend to other faculties offering fully online degrees, such as the Faculty of Health Sciences. That's all from me today. Thank you so much. Now over to Chloe with the weather. This is your CFRC weather report for Wednesday, January 10th. Tonight, we're expecting cloudy skies with a 40% chance of flurries. Winds will be coming in from the west 30 kilometers per hour, gusting to 60, becoming light after midnight. We have a low of minus 3, wind chill near minus 9. For tomorrow on Thursday, the 11th of January, we have cloudy skies with a 40% chance of flurries in the morning. We're expecting about 2 centimeters in total with periods of light snow beginning early on. Temperature a high of minus 1 and wind chill near minus 7. For the night, we have cloudy periods with a 40% chance of flurries and a low of minus five. That wraps up your CFRC weather report for tonight and be sure to keep up with our news programming so you always know what's coming next. Next up, I'm passing it to Chloe Paris with your CFRC weekly traffic report. Please note that the winter parking ban will be in effect as of January 1st, 2024. Motorists are advised that overnight on-street parking is not permitted during the months of January and February. Public Services and Procurement Canada, also known as PSPC, wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on LaSalle Causeway for major rehabilitation during the following period of Wednesday, November 1, 2023 to Tuesday, April 30, 2024. During this period, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. Access will be maintained for pedestrians and cyclists. PSPC encourages users to exercise caution when traveling on the bridge and thanks them for their patience. Road closures, University Avenue, Union to Earl is closed until May 29th for the removal of debris from the demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's John Dutch University Centre project. In other delays, Queen Street, Montreal to Sydenham, expect an eastbound lane closure until April 1st, 2024. 
features will be in place for the duration of the lane closure. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at screeningroomkingston.com. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats, and sunglasses. Everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.